going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast, and I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 96 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. This month, we're talking all about productivity and how to run your life. I'm calling it so much to do, so little time, because I really like cheesy themes for the month. So this is <laughs> this is a new thing I'm doing this year, and this is the theme of the month. I know it sounds crazy to talk to a coach about productivity and how to run your life, because presumably you're an adult like me, who is currently running your own life. But honestly, sometimes it can feel like our lives are running us. And I know that's also cheesy, but doesn't it feel that way sometimes? As a society, we go to work, we get told 8,000 things that all need to be done with the same level of urgency. Then we come home, get kids ready for homework and dinner and bed and activities and spend our weekends doing all the things we didn't get to do during the week, like shopping and laundry and more activities. And then we meal prep. So we actually have food to eat during the week. It's just this never ending cycle and we're all on this hamster wheel and that is no way to live. Our lives don't have to be quite so hectic. Sometimes it's just a matter of recognizing that we have limited time and we have to be really selective about what we try to cram into it. So that's why this month's theme is so much to do, so little time, because we can all relate to having too many things on our to-do list and not enough time to do them. In episode 89, Caitlin Smith chatted with me about setting boundaries, and she gave a really cool script to say about when every one more thing is dumped on your plate. And I recommend that you go back and listen to episode 89 for all the tips and ideas about setting, setting boundaries and to start thinking about saying no to stuff that's going to be too much in your life, because you're the only one who knows what too much is. Knowing how to say no is a part of that battle, right? But knowing when is the part I'm going to talk about today. This is something I've had to learn the hard way, as many of us do. And, you know, when I was a coach on a campus before I became a self-employed work-from-home mom, and I've shared this on the podcast before, I had a problem saying no. I'd say yes 
to everything. And I think a lot of it has to do with me being an Enneagram one. If you're unfamiliar with the Enneagram at all, and you'd like to learn more about it, you know, about your type and what it means, how you can use that understanding to think about your work, just check out episode 63, where I talked to Myrna Cervetti all about it. And it's really informative. It talks about what motivates you and what you're trying to avoid. And those things are kind of how you make decisions about what you do and how you act. Um, so anyway, as an Enneagram one, I find that I attach a moral rule to things. So for example, if teachers promised kids that they were going to do something and then they weren't ready to do that thing when they promised, it really bothers me to the point where I would say, you know what, I'll get that ready for you just to make sure that it happens because I feel like they made a promise and they're not going to follow through on it. And that's the worst thing that could ever happen. And so I feel like obligated, you know, to, to jump in and fix it. When I was a newish teacher, after I'd taught for about two years, I was asked to be on every committee under the sun. I was on CEIC, I was on PTO, I was the chair of the writing cadre, and I did um, UIL. I was a president-elect of EPRC, which is a local branch of what is now ILA. It was IRA at the time, but now it's the International Literacy Association. So I did everything, and it really pulled my time in so many directions. It didn't make me a better teacher, though, for the most part. Um, and, but I had a really hard time saying no when I was asked. Another example of, of how hard saying no is that my district used to provide us with professional developments to give during PD days. They didn't like as instructional coaches, they didn't do it at first, but over time they started giving coaches a box. It was actually a folder with materials and they called it PD in a box. And the issue with this is it wasn't always relevant to my teacher's needs, or sometimes I felt like it missed the mark with the activities that were provided. So I'd read through all the materials and then I'd completely rebuild the PD into something I thought would actually be supportive of my teachers. And that took a lot of time, a lot of time. So I was saying yes to redoing the entire PD and nobody even had asked me. It was just something that I felt like was going to be important. I'm not saying that was a bad thing to do, but I was doing this with everything. I was reinventing everything all the time. So what I want you to do is to stop and think and, you know, raise your hand. You can literally raise your hand if you need to, if you're a yes person, if you're not sure, here's how to know if your hand should be raised. And I really had to do some thinking about this. One sign that you're a yes person is that you have tasks to do that are not your job, but you accepted them because you felt like you should for whatever reason. You just felt like you should do it. You felt obligated. Another sign is that you've never gone out with the intention of getting a pet, <laughs> but you have several pets who have, quote, found you on their own or with the help of a human who knows you're a sucker. Okay, I have to, I have to, this is so me. I don't actually currently have any pets that I sought out myself. <laughs> I have three pets and all of them found me one way or the other and I couldn't say no. Another reason that you, or another way to know that you might be a yes person is you feel guilty when you have time for yourself and you think maybe you should be working instead. And the last one I have is you can't remember the last time you said no to something, or you can remember, and it's been a while and you feel terrible about it. Okay. If you answered yes to two or more of these statements, you may be a yes person. And I only know because all of these statements came from my life. <laughs> Okay. I can remember the one time I said no as a young teacher. And this is how I know I'm a yes person. Aside from answering yes to all of those statements, the fact that I still remember saying no and feeling guilty about this tells me that I'm a yes person. 
this happened years ago. One day during a lesson, a paraprofessional from my school came by my room and asked if she could talk to me for a second. She said that she and another paraprofessional were going to start a destination imagination team on campus. The only issue was that they needed a teacher as a sponsor to run the show on paper. They said they would do all the work, but they needed a teacher to sponsor it. Now, the only reason I knew what DI was is I had a friend who had a son in middle school and he was in destination imagination. And I knew exactly how much work it was because she volunteered for it. It was tons of work. And I knew I just couldn't write my name on a piece of paper and call it a day. Even if I let the pairs run the practices, you know, I would still have to go to meetings and competitions. And honestly, I would have to help run it too, because if I felt like they needed support, I was going to step in because my name was going to be on it. I was working on my master's at the time, and I knew it wasn't a good fit for me to add in one more thing on top of everything else. And I said, no. Okay. I said, I'm sorry, but it's not a good time for me to add anything to my plate right now. And the para pushed a little understandably because she really did believe that it wouldn't take up my time, but I actually stuck to my guns and I said, I couldn't help. Okay. I still feel guilty about it. Why? I know it wouldn't have worked out the way she said. And I know I didn't have time for it. It was impossible to fit it into my schedule. Why do I feel the need to do all the things? It's because kids were involved. So I felt like I was depriving them of an opportunity to do something really cool and really great for them. Plus the pair of professionals were really excited. And I felt like I was like smashing their dreams. I know it's like super drama. It's been like 15 years, coaches, that this happened. I'm not exaggerating. It's been about 15 years and I still feel guilty about it. So I'm telling you the story so that you know you're not alone. If you struggle to say no, you're in good company, but we need to get better at this for our own health, for our mental health, emotional, and physical health. Because every time we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. So here are three times to say no and some tips for justifying your no if you need to. Because as much as the people we as people like to say, no is a complete sentence, you don't have to explain yourself. At work, we know this really isn't true. You need to have more than just a no, or else they're going to come back with, well, this is what you need to do, right? They're going to come back with a why. So the first time that you need to say no, my first opportunity to say no is when it just doesn't fit into your schedule. So here's an example from real life. I was sitting in a leadership meeting on Monday morning. So we started leadership at seven o'clock in the morning on Mondays. School started at 745. Contractually, we were obligated to be at school at 730. But my admin wanted to have meetings on Monday mornings at seven. And so we did. I am not an early morning person at all. I had to set my clock half an hour earlier on Mondays to wake up. And I did not like that. That was not fun for me. I really struggled with that. I did it. I dragged myself to work, but I did not like it. So I was sitting in this leadership meeting on Monday morning and I was reviewing my calendar for the week, right? You look at your calendar, you got, and I had co-teaching and modeling lessons set up throughout the week. I had PLC all day on Tuesday because that was a standard practice we had. And then another meeting with third grade about data on Thursday, plus an after-school professional development later that week on Thursday. So every Thursday we had learning Thursday for an hour. RTI was on Wednesday all day and I was kind of in charge of it. And then I had a couple of small groups to see on Fridays. So basically I was booked right? The whole week was pretty much full because even if I didn't have something written in a time block on that day, I had to prepare for the other things on that day. So then my principal said, we need a few people to get ready for the fairy tale ball that K2 is having on Friday. 
Okay. And she looked around the room waiting for people to just jump right in and say, I would love to help. (laughs) Okay. This is always a hard spot for people like me and probably people like you. If K2 needs help, my instinct is to help. But when I looked at my calendar, I didn't have one single second to help, even especially if it was going to be scheduled and I was going to have to meet other people at a specific time. I didn't have any time slots left. So saying yes would mean I was saying no to one of the other things I had already committed to, right? So I didn't say anything. But you know what happens when you don't say anything, right? And you're the one who usually says yes. The principal goes around the room saying, okay, so-and-so, can you fit in a little time on Wednesday? And everybody else might have chosen this exact moment to say no too. So what do you do? You have two choices. And I'm going to give you a little caution about the first one later. We're going to talk about using it with caution, but these are two choices that you have. One is that you can offer to do prep work at home. If something needs to be crafted or an invitation sent out or a decoration made, you can offer to do that part while you watch TV, if that's an option for you. I would often offer to do small take-home projects rather than sacrifice the limited time I had on campus with teachers and kids. The other option you can do is you can flat out say no. And here's one way you can say it. I wish I could help with that. If I had known last week, I might've been able to fit it in, but my week is totally booked. I can share my calendar with you if you'd like to check it out. And you can say that with whatever, you know, proper tone you'd like. But the the fact of the matter is I'm booked. If the principal pushes back, you can always say, why don't we look at my calendar together and figure out what it is that you would like me to take out so I can fit this in? Because then that responsibility is theirs to say, okay, all these things I've asked you to do, maybe it's a little bit much. The second time to say no is when it steals your prep time. So for every hour you spend giving PD, It seems like it takes at least one to two hours planning, creating, and preparing for it, especially if you have to do things like cut out materials, you know, actually create and design materials from scratch, create a slideshow, build the activities, find the articles, make copies. It can be surprising to people who just sit through PDs and participate how much time it takes to create a fully, a really purposeful and streamlined PD that actually meets people's needs and is totally prepared for every moment. And this is really true for lots of teaching and coaching work. It's true for modeling lessons, for co-teaching, for PLCs, whether they're there to review data, to learn or to plan together. It's true for working with small groups and for so many of the responsibilities of coaching. And the problem is coaches often don't have a prep time built into their schedules like teachers do. Now, I'm not saying that coaching is harder than teaching. (laughs) What I'm saying is that teachers often on their schedule have a prep time, not all teachers, but many, and certainly in certain states where that's guaranteed, they have it on their schedule and they can say, okay, I can use that time to get ready for the rest of the day. For the next day, I can make my copies, et cetera. But coaches often don't have that anywhere. So my schedule when I was on a campus varied every single day. And some days there was zero white space in my calendar in between Um, things that were already scheduled. So that meant I had to get really good at building in prep time purposely. So for example, if I had PLC all day on Tuesday, I would mark PLC prep on my calendar for a chunk of time on Monday or for the Friday before, depending on how much work I was going to have to do to prepare for that. If I was modeling in two classrooms on Thursday afternoon, I had modeling prep marked on my calendar for an hour on Wednesday or Thursday morning. If it felt like I was taking a risk by doing it a little, or a little uh, too too soon, too close to the actual modeling session, I would push it back. PD can take a whole day to prepare. So I'd usually have to mark out several smaller spaces to build PDs because who gets a day 
in a row, right? To get a whole day to yourself, never. So you have to book like little chunks of time throughout the week. But this prep work is invisible and principals and teachers often don't even realize that you have to do it or just not on their radar. So having it as a special space on your calendar is very important. If it's not on your calendar, it's not clear to anyone else what you're doing. And saying you have to, quote, get ready for something can sound like a cop out to people who aren't used to to either doing those things themselves or acknowledging that you do have to take time to do them. If you have a PD on Friday, don't schedule the week before to be full of tasks that will take all of your prep time. In order to deliver a purposeful and and really productive and meaningful PD, you have to be so prepared. So build in your time somewhere earlier in the week. If anyone asks if you have time to help with something during that time, you can say you're already booked for that time. It's true. You are booked for that time. You're booked with yourself so that you can be ready for the PD for the teachers. Okay. It's not selfish to be prepared. That's okay. The third time that you should say no is when you're giving up your very little personal time. This was the hardest thing for me to say no to. Like this is the hardest instance, but it's so important. I always felt like it was my responsibility to take things off of teacher's plates. I used to have a counterpart whose best suggestion for getting tasks done was to say the teachers can do it, but I didn't think that was appropriate. I wanted my teacher spending time planning and teaching, not doing mundane or rote tasks that somebody else could do. But the problem comes when it's been months since you had a haircut, you're putting off a doctor's appointment and you're eating whatever leftover groceries you found in your kitchen. Okay. One time I remember our technology coordinator came to lunch, the lunchroom and she dumped out her lunchbox and in it were an apple, a banana and a soda. And that's all she had time to prepare was just to throw random items from her kitchen into her lunchbox. Okay. When this is happening to you and it happened to me too, you're not showing up as your best self because you can't, it's too hard. You're worn out and frustrated and offering to do one more thing is going to take away from the very limited time you have to keep yourself running as a human being. So we talked about this during February of 2021 and February of 2022 and our matters of the heart month. And so I want to give you these episodes so you can find them easily. You can just go back and grab them. Episode 45 is self-care for coaches. Episode 46 is teacher's guide to self-care by Sarah Forst. She wrote the book literally on the teacher's guide to self-care. Episode 47 is mental health and mindfulness with Celeste Nevadas. Episode 89 is how to, how boundaries make you a better coach with Caitlin Smith. And episode 90 is how to support teacher mental health with Dana Thomas. So those episodes can help you do some thinking about this, this, you know, reason number three, if you're struggling with this, but what I want you to realize is that having white space in your personal calendar is important. And going to the bathroom, you know, having a lunchtime, being able to walk instead of run from one room to the other is important too, because you're a human being and you require maintenance. I tell my daughter all the time, I have a a four-year-old and her thing lately is whenever she's around other kids, like whenever my niece and nephew came in for the holidays, uh, she just was like, no, I'm not going to eat. I'm never going to eat again. I'm just having too much fun. So I would offer her a plate of food and she'd be like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not eating. I don't want to eat. I'm busy. I'm busy. And we had to talk a lot about how when she didn't eat, her brain didn't have the fuel that it needed to manage her emotions. And she would have a meltdown because she was so running on empty because she wouldn't eat. And it was this horrible cycle because then, you know, once they'd stop eating, then they don't want to start. It's, It's really rough. So whenever she was around other kids, it was a real struggle to get her to sit down and eat something because she didn't want to take the time to do it. She was having too good of a time, but then she'd run out of energy and it was terrible. So 
we have to remember we're human beings and we require maintenance. So in the first reason to say no, I mentioned that taking things home that you can do on your own time is an option. And sometimes it is that is available to you if you think it's going to work for you. But when it's going to be too much, don't offer to do it. Okay. So here's a real life example of whenever this has happened to me and what I did. We were in a PLC with first grade and we were planning a lesson for them to use during reading time. So someone made a suggestion about using old magazines as a part of their materials for something about um, text features, I think. I knew I was capable of gathering magazines and often I would offer to do that type of task just to take it off the teacher's plate because it was something I could do that was, you know, just an easy thing. But it was testing season and I was swamped, right? I had zero time during the workday and my hair looked like a lion's mane as it always did in the spring. (laughs) And I had terrible allergies, but no time to go to the doctor. Every day I had these horrible allergy headaches. I didn't have time to go see an allergist or an ENT or anybody. Um, So I was just taking my medicine every day and hoping it would work and drinking hot tea like a monster. It just, none of it worked. So I knew that I didn't have time to do this, this small thing. So I just waited. I know the teachers wanted me to jump in and offer because I often would do that, but I was not about to do it on that day. But then nobody else offered, right? (laughs) So when no one else offered to do it, I said, you know, I love this idea. It sounds like we all want to go in that direction. Who can put together a collection of magazines for us to use? And then I just left it hanging out there in midair, right? Like Jerry Seinfeld says, it's a big old matzo ball hanging out there in midair. And I just waited. I used my wait time skills that I learned as a classroom teacher. Okay. If you wait long enough, somebody's going to say something, even if it's not the answer you're looking for. So eventually someone said they could check with their parents to see if they had any magazines. And another teacher said she would call her dentist because they always had like old magazines in the waiting room. And she thought they might, you know, get, get some of them to her. I didn't have to offer and it still got done and it was okay. Everything was okay. I wasn't going to get the magical magazines. I wasn't going to do anything amazing. I was just going to gather some magazines. That's not something I needed to do in that moment. The teachers could have ownership over that and it was fine. Here's my last idea, something that I want you to keep in mind. Okay. It's a big tip for coaches who have to justify their time and their nose. If you have to justify why you're saying no, you need to start documenting where your time is going. So this is like, if you have an administrator who is not supportive of you saying no, who pushes back whenever you say that you don't have time for something, um, I want you to start documenting what happens with you every day. So for some people, this can be as simple as making a note in the empty spaces in your calendar to show what you did, what you worked on, what classrooms you were in, what you visited, all those kinds of things. For others, you might need an actual system where you can code your different types of work. Like sometimes you can color code it um, or you can add a number code, but you know, you might have administrative tasks, coaching in classrooms, working with students, test prep, data review, planning PD, PLCs, creating or finding teacher materials, et cetera. There's so many different things that coaches do. After you identify the different kinds of tasks that you do, um, depending on what system you're using, you can actually print out or send a pie chart or another type of graph that shows where your time is going. This is a great tool for so many reasons because you can justify your nose and why you can't add anything to your plate. And you can also use it to show why you don't have time to do some of the things that you should be doing. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next episode with Kiera from Miss Unconventional, because if you're focusing on 
you know, doing all data all the time or creating assessments, you're missing out on classroom time, but you might not realize how much of your time is being squandered on these other tasks. But you know, like, for example, coaches often ask to be um, working with small groups. They ask to pri- provide intervention for kids. And when you're doing that, you're not coaching teachers. You're impacting five kids instead of a whole classroom of kids and every kid that teacher will ever work with, right? So you may have to really dig deep to justify why you cannot do the things that you're being asked to do. And one tool that might help you is called Rike, W-R-I-K-E. I haven't tried it myself, but I've seen it recommended. There are other tools out there as well that are like, that will track your time and help you color code it to make sure that you are able to justify, look, this was my job. This is my job description. This is my role that we decided on. And this does not match where I'm spending my time right? We want to make sure that our job description matches where our time goes. The beautiful thing is next episode, episode 97, we're going to talk about this with Kira from Miss Unconventional. Okay. She's a productivity coach and she is sharing so much information on goal setting, getting clarity on your role, setting boundaries, and so much more to help you manage your time and be productive and purposeful. So I really cannot wait to share that with you. I just finished speaking with her. I recorded these out of order. I had a beautiful conversation. She had so much information that she shared with us. And so I really want you to listen into that. That's going to be episode 97 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. And I hope that you'll tune in and let me know if any of these strategies are working for you. If you try any of these no strategies, if you try to say no in any of these opportunities, Share, share it with me. Send me a message. Send me an email. Go on Instagram and share about it and, and uh, tag me at Buzzing with Miss B because I would love to see if this is making an impact with you. Another thing that you can do that would really help me out is you can go to um, Apple, Apple Podcast Player and you can leave me a review there. Um, it can be an honest review. I mean, if you want to leave five stars, I would love that, but I will not tell you, you must. <laughs> so if this is helpful to you, leave me a review there in Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find this podcast and hopefully get some help for them to do their coaching work too. So until next week, whenever I share episode 97 with you, with Kira, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.